You're listening to Borderline Idealists. Join us every other Sunday for new episodes where we focus on anxiety, depression, and BPD. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and our Patreon link to support us. Together, we can give a voice to those who suffer from mental illness and tear down mental health stigma. Hey, hey guys. guys, so uh, this Sunday we have a special episode. Uh, we were going to do a part two to our um, anger and anxiety, or was it anxiety and anger? Yeah. Well, I mean, we still are, it's just yeah. we're postponing that a little bit, because we had a special, a listener who... A uh, friend, a friend for us. <laughs> yes, a friend. <laughs> Sarah is our friend. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. So, um, yeah, she reached out because the topic that we discussed last time kind of really hit home with her, and we figured it was a really good opportunity to expand on, you know, uh, the overall story and kind of get her to tell her side Mm -hmm. and, you know, give another perspective from somebody else who has BPD and who has um, problems with substance abuse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the last episode, I I think we wanted to talk about anxiety, but I it really did lead into uh, alcohol, substance abuse. Yeah, and how I use that to um, dull the effects of depression and anxiety, and how that can could be a problem. Um, and I, I'm glad that we can have those kind of discussions on borderline idealist. Um, because it's great because it, it can um, start a conversation with other people. Yeah. And Sarah is a long-time listener and we're, you know, I, I just think it's so great, Chris, that we <laughs> we have people that um, listen to us mm-hmm. um, on the regular and um, it's kind of scary too. <laughs> but no, it, it's... It's great. I, <laughs> it's 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 unreal to me, uh, but I'm I'm so happy that I'm able to do this show with you and that we can discuss all this stuff. So, anyway, um, yeah, definitely next um, next time. Next yeah, next show. time we'll do uh, BPD anger and talk about that. I, I'm sure I have a lot to say about that. Oh, I'm probably, sure. You know, probably some alcohol in there too. You know. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm the only one laughing. Okay. Uh, so that, that's that's going to be a great episode. So stay tuned. <laughs> but we want to, you know, let you guys hear Sarah and uh, yeah, a really great episode. We had a really great time talking to her, and here it goes. <laughs> bye. See you next week. All right. No, we're not. Oh, next bye, week. Chris. Oh, we're no, I'm sorry. Not um. Bye for now. Bye for now. Yes. yes. Stay tuned. Jeez. <laughs> Hello guys, welcome to another episode of Borderline Idealist. My name is Chris. And this is AJ. And today we have a special guest with us. Yay, we love having special guests. <laughs> <laughs> to follow up on a discussion that we had, um, Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hello, I'm Sarah. Um, I listen to you guys all the time. All episodes, 51 was the last one, and that was the episode that I reached out to you about. Um <laughs> And you guys had mentioned alcohol, and AJ was buying some rum or something. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and hiding it. And <laughs> That's what I remember. Kind of got, <laughs> got more on the topic of that. And then, um, particularly, like I mentioned, um, 
I think you, AJ, you had said that you uh, were skipping meds to, well, I'm going to drink tonight, so I'm not going to take my meds. Mm-hmm. So I could totally relate to that, and I was just like, hey, I'm going to reach out to them, because I almost feel like you're my friend, because I listen to all your episodes, <laughs> all of it. So I'm like, hey, I have this problem, so you know, I'm going to reach out and just, I'd like to talk about it. I don't yeah. know what my goal is necessarily, but um, just that I could relate to that. So I do have, I've been diagnosed with BPD as well a little under two years ago. Um, I'm 36 years old, so I've Dude. been drinking since I was 13 years old. Wow. Um, so that's 23 years <laughs> of drinking. Yeah. Um, I tried to quit drinking a little uh, under two years ago as well and actually went to a rehab facility for about, uh, I think it was 35 days in total. Mm. Um, and then I was sober for almost, I don't know, it was like 90 days. And then, and then I had a drink and then I, you know, it slowly crept back up again. I would just go out and just have, you know, one drink at dinner. Um, you know, I can handle this. I don't need to. But then it just, I don't know, it kept Spiral. getting to more and more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So I don't know. I think I did that for like three months and then quit again all the way. But anyway, back, I'm back to drinking, I don't know, pretty much every day almost now, a little mm-hmm. bit. It's not that I drink to get drunk necessarily, mm-hmm. but I do have like a couple glasses of wine every day, which you would think would be normal, but I do it maybe for different reasons than mm-hmm. other people, I feel like. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about that. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, we're glad you've reached out to us, friend. <laughs> Hello, friend. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's an important topic to talk about because uh, people with BPD uh, have a predisposition to substance abuse problems. Right. Um, We've been doing some research and, you know, just uh, looking up articles and and things like that to talk about the relationship between BPD and alcoholism or substance abuse in more broader terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, it, 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 earlier we discussed, you know, talking about um, genetics and what role does genetics and environments play into these um, conditions um, and how they can overlap oftentimes. Not all the time, you know, not, mm-hmm. not all people who suffer with from alcoholism have a, a mental illness or borderline personality disorder or vice versa, right? Yeah. So, like, with, with genetics, we're... I guess we can look back at our, our parents, I guess, as an example of our genetics, maybe um, look at our, our upbringing also, our environmental factors, and see where we may have picked up uh, maybe some of the BPD traits or the um, alcoholic traits. So, Sarah, do you mind... Going back in time with us, blurry vision, flashback <laughs> to a time. <laughs> Do you mind telling us telling us about your your journey uh, to background yeah challenges. journey with with alcoholism and uh, with BPD uh, being diagnosed with that? Sure. Um, so it's a lot, but I'll be concise. Um, <laughs> so with um, so my parents, well, they got divorced when I was five. My dad ended up moving to Texas, and I lived in Ohio. Um, oh, wow. And so we would go and visit him every summer for the entire summer. We'd fly out there on a plane by ourselves um, and stay there for, like, the three months of the summer. But mm. anyways, my parents had a 
whatever the word is, tumultuous, <laughs> tumultuous relationship or whatever that word is. Mm-hmm. But um, so my dad was addicted to cocaine. He was an alcoholic and he was a very successful businessman, though. Like he was a high functioning, I don't know, mm. <laughs> alcoholic, I guess. Yeah. But um, so we would go there and just, I guess, witnessing that as a kid, you know, he has lavish parties and, you know, always drinking. The liquor cabinet always stopped that um my mom was drinking a lot at the time as well a little different though but I feel like I don't know I always felt like abandoned by my dad like I said he moved to Texas so that's like the abandonment part maybe Mm -hmm. that started and that's a part of BPD um so and then he started a new family there I mean these are things you you grow up and you get over them but they still are a part of you I Mm -hmm. guess um and I always have felt that way and Like, um, I'm trying to think where to do it next, but so my mom was always trying to work on herself, I guess, you know, just like I am, I'm 36, Mm -hmm. I have two kids myself, and I'm like, you know, I have this disorder I'm dealing with, alcoholism, relationship issues, and I feel like my mom was doing all the same things, and when you're a kid, you don't realize that people don't, they're not, that they're working on themselves still, Mm -hmm. they're not, they don't have it all together, you Mm -hmm. know, none of us do, so, um. I don't know, it was just, she wasn't really there for me, I feel like, because she had her own issues, and, right. you know, growing pains and all of that, but, um, so yeah, my dad, I feel like, is definitely an alcoholic, and he was actually the first person that I ever drank with, um, I was, like, 10 years old, I was visiting him in Texas, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he had these drinks, I don't know if they still make them anymore, but they were TTI Fridays, the restaurant, like, mudslides, mm. and so it was like a chocolate milkshake to me, I guess. And, you know, so drinking wow. that, doing like <laughs> this is crazy. I was doing cartwheels. I broke my arm. Um, so that was the first, my first drinking experience. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just feel like you know, he wasn't really there for me. So I'll move on to the next phase where my mother got remarried, and I had a stepfather who was abusive. Um, very, he was he was an alcoholic as well and um, physically abusive and verbally abusive and it was only towards me and I always felt like it was because I like resembled my dad so much or something and I and I really hated my dad because I looked a lot like him mm-hmm. uh, and that's just what I attributed it to I don't know if that's the truth mm-hmm. but it felt that way and um, so anyways fast forward to 13 years old and that's when you start experimenting and trying to grow into your own person and you know I met the the people that I felt comfortable with which were like the group of people that probably were getting into trouble more than others and not you know the necessarily most popular crowd but people that I could relate to Mm -hmm. um and so I started you know experimenting more with alcohol um smoking weed you know actually doing a lot of other things that crazy especially when you're 13 but mm-hmm. um yeah so then I got into more drugs such as like LSD and acid um all of that and that really alters your brain too mm. so anyway I was going to, all of these um, were uh, like during your teen years <laughs> or yeah was, I was okay. like it all started at like 13 yeah and then leading up until um well so I got expelled from expelled from school in Ohio, like I wasn't able to go to school in Ohio at all, so I ended up having to move to Texas to go to school when I was 14, 
Mm. And that was from getting into fights with people because I swear I was just all over the place. Like I, I guess I was in so much pain and like, I don't know. I didn't know who I was, but I didn't know that at the time. Like I was just thought I was normal and you know, I'm having fun. I'm a teenager. Like this is normal. Mm -hmm. But looking back on it now, it's like, wow, I can't believe, you know, where I am today versus where I was at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes, but so I ended up moving in with my dad at 14 until like 18 years old. I lived in Texas and then ended up running away from him on a Greyhound bus and coming back to Ohio. Um, and, uh, started getting into cocaine and stuff like that at 18. Um, actually started stripping. I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I was such a mess. I can't believe I'm alive. Sometimes I feel like the only reason I'm alive is because I had my kids. Mm. Cause I got pregnant at that time. Mm. Um, so that kind of changed my whole direction. And I started going to school again, and, you know, that, that changed everything. But I don't know. With the childhood, I feel like, like the abandonment, like I said, I feel like the abuse, um, the alcoholism, the genetics, and the environment. Yeah. Are all like it's like... Factor in my BPD. <laughs> it's like all the trifecta of things <laughs> were around. It's like everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we've talked about your... Um, feelings of abandonment yeah and what I, what I was thinking about is it uh and I, I wrote a, a blog about this a long time ago but um I, I'm always wondering like uh is there is there fault and I, I know I know there's there's genetics around it but is there is there fault in in my parents for how how I um how I turned out or how I learned to deal with things um, you know, am I, am I supposed to blame them? <laughs> I always right. think that and I have to try to like, let it go because, um, I, one time I got really mad at my parents and I yelled at them and I told them everything that they did to me. And, um, they just looked at me with blank faces and said, we did the best we could. And that's, <laughs> and that's all I got. Like, I was just like, it's, I, I thought maybe I, I could go, they would just be like, oh God, we did do so bad. Oh my God. You know, but they were just like, hey, we did the best we could. And I was just like, wow. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I don't know how to take that, but I guess, I guess at the time, like you, like you said, you know, you see your parents and you don't really realize everything else that they're going through. Mm-hmm. You just see them as, as your parents. Right. That's one thing that I think we may have mentioned in the past is for me as well it's like it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I started seeing my parents not as my parents but as it, their own individual human beings mm-hmm. like they have yeah. uh, thoughts of their own they have impulses they have ideas wishes dreams oh of their God. own that I, didn't tie to me <laughs> I used to I mean I used to hate my dad I used to write um all kinds of things about how my dad was just awful and just just like hate him um <laughs> and you know i had to had to like grow out of that and it's it's like he he kind of grew up too i think i think as we get older mm-hmm. and especially as our parents get older they start to um i guess soften and kind of see their the mortality um i don't know sarah has uh how how was your relationship with your your parents um, now? I know you said that your mom was was seeking help. Um, yeah. Um, so my my relationship with my dad is very strange. Um, 
he still lives in Texas. He, I might, might see him every couple of years, if not, and most of the time it's on my effort. Um, he doesn't know my kids. I have two kids, a 15-year-old and a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, my 10-year-old's birthday party is today, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad will send me a message maybe on Facebook, like, hey, tell Alana, or tell your two daughters that I, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, um, or happy birthday. But he doesn't call it. My kids don't even know him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So we're not close at all. Um, he has a serious alcohol problem. Actually, my stepmom and I have been talking, and since I went to that rehab, he's been looking into it, but he's just doing it to, like, appease her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he literally has no interest or, um, I don't know, he has no, he just doesn't get it, and he never will, I feel like, so it's kind of unfortunate. But mm. um, so our relationship's pretty strange. My mom lives close by. She'll be here today. Um, we get along really well as you know, but we're not that close, and we never probably will be. I mean, we're close enough, but it's kind of on the surface. Like, she, I feel like right. she never really taught me, like, morals, values, important things, mm-hmm. um, but she's always been there for me, and I know that she loves me, you know, mm-hmm. I know that she does her best. So. Yeah. It's one of those things yeah. where you kind of, like, um, I think I went through a similar process where I would, I felt like my parents could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's yeah. kind of like the our selfish the selfishness in us or like the naivete in us they were like well why didn't they just do this you know I <laughs> it's know. very easy I'm and just plain like, and obvious that's what I told my parents I was like you could have just taken me to a psychologist it just made so much sense like but, I was doing this 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 yeah, <laughs> then you know then you have to stop and think yeah. well you know they're going through their own issues so you know, I, it's sort of I, had, I have issues with my I have a stepdad who I, I, I grew up with I mean he adopted me when I was uh, like seven, I think six. No, I think around five or six. He adopted me, formally, and so I grew up with him as my father figure, sort of of sorts. We never. Apparently, when we were when I was young, the first like three years we got along great, and then something happened. Um, this was probably when I got caught kissing a kid, <laughs> um, one of my neighbors' kid or something. We were like caught kissing was and it a girl no it was a boy okay just i just wanted to ask so i think that was oh, the catalyst. So that's why he was mad i think that for me this the like the, the catalyst for how our relationship shifted from that moment on i can i can't remember of any like good father-son type relationship that we had uh until now that i'm an adult we've sort of i think put it i, I mean i've definitely you know put it past me and forgiven him um, but it's still kind of like just like you like kind of like with you, how you mentioned Sarah with your mom is like I mean he's always been there for me he's always you know um, provided for me um, and and my my other siblings and my whole family so he's um, he's done I think it's the best like that you he know could. that he loves you but he's not that close right like, yes I and don't know yeah I know that he loves me and he will do you know anything for me even now you know if I ask him for money, I know he'll provide it if he can, or you know, for help and whatever. I know both of my parents will be there, but like with my dad specifically, there's like you know, for example, like I get home and I I kiss my mom and I hug her. With him, sometimes I'll hug him, but that would be it. And then also when I'm leaving, you know, I always kiss my mom and 
and hug her and we, yeah. we say our goodbyes but with him it's like okay bye <laughs> it's like it's, it's so weird it's because like like, okay, yeah it's yeah. like I want to be close but it's just awkward because of the relationship in our past and I feel like he also is kind of withholding so like yeah. at putting it at arm's distance it's just weird but um yeah so how how would I, you I say about... oh I'm sorry uh-huh. oh, go ahead go ahead oh, I was gonna say you know it. how would you say your you see yourself now as a parent and how you've changed because you know we talked about how (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking the same thing of just like so what are you you gonna do you have a perspective that we don't you have a perspective that we don't like i i've always tried to put myself in my parents shoes especially now that i'm older and just be like you know they're dealing with their own stuff and it's sort of how i tell ajani too our parents were dealing with their own stuff as they were trying to raise us as well so, you know, the level that we can, the amount of blame that we can lay on them, it's only, can only go so far. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's, that's the main reason why I really don't want to have children, because I'm just like, <laughs> I'm already going through too much, you know, I don't, <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay right now, but then I don't want to be like majorly depressed around my, my child and, you know, I don't know, it, it just happens. It yeah, happens, so it is hard. I feel like they're gonna feel the same way I thought about my parents. Sometimes it's like you want to break the cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to change that, and that's like I, would, I want to do that so bad, and that's why I want to work on my drinking, and that's why I want to work on dealing with my mental health issues, and I want to. But it's so hard because when you're, especially when you're a single parent, which I am, um, and you work full time, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure yourself out, deal with mental right. issues and alcoholism, it's pretty hard to be there for your kids and I do feel bad about it I I know that they know I love them it's like how I feel about my mom I feel like they feel about me you know mm-hmm. but I want to change that but like I just said they're 15 and 10 and it's like gosh are you I'm kind of past that are <laughs> you, but I'm trying are you um somewhat open with them about your problems like with alcoholism and your uh, um, diagnosis of borderline BPD Yes, unfortunately, they do know all about it, which I guess is not completely unfortunate because it gives them a... Perspective. I don't know, something to... Yeah, exactly. So they do know when I went away to rehab for like the 35 days or whatever, mm-hmm. they knew where I was. They came and visited me. They know I have that problem. Anytime they see me drinking, they kind of freak out and get upset and cry sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's not a good situation. Um, they know about your They BPD? try to keep me away from it. Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah. They do. I mean, and I feel, I feel like... like my oldest might have the same has definitely has all the symptoms self-harming depression uh, everything so i feel like it's genetic there too mm-hmm. so yeah. I, yeah I feel like that's the i for me it just i mean i can only speak from my perspective but i feel like that's the the first big step that could happen is open communication with your children yeah. i mean you know especially for your 10 year old it's kind of gonna it's gonna be a little bit more limited because you can't go dive into you know details about diagnoses and what you're feeling and everything that's going on but I think you know tailoring messages to the age appropriate messages basically you know to explain that you're you're going through your own stuff right now as well and it doesn't mean that you don't love them or you don't care for them and I think that's where the the main thing is like just not being enough communication so that the child knows that they're loved and and I think that that also may help us see that our parents are not perfect that they are humans, humans just like <laughs> us and also um 
I don't know when when I was growing up I, I kind of felt like uh well my my, my dad still acts like um mental disorders don't exist um wow. so you know I don't um I didn't really get any education on that I guess I really didn't uh hear too much about that uh, my dad's a doctor so I heard a lot about physical health you know um and of course like in school you hear about physical health but we don't um I don't, I don't think we talk enough about mental health and especially knowing somebody like that. I, I think that that actually helps your kids because if their friend says, you know, I have depression or I have anxiety, um, they'll take it a different way than, than somebody who doesn't know anything about that. I've never because heard I've, right. I've said that to friends before when I was in high school, you know, I'm depressed and they're just like, they just kind of avoid me because they don't know how to, you know, deal with that, you know, or what to say. Um, and so that kind of taught me just to keep it to myself. Um, and nowadays, like, they talk about it at school a lot, too, though. So it's just so much wider. It's, it's gaining more traction, you know, the mental health, like, mm-hmm. uh, being important and all that. So, but, yeah, it, it's, I never heard about that when I was younger, either. Um, so it, it could be better that I'm open about it and everything, but i'm working on it as much as i possibly can to be honest but however i'm still drinking so that, that kind of um, contradicts what i just said so it, i don't know <laughs> i was gonna ask uh, so are you um are you taking uh, medication for bpd so yeah so i was prescribed um trileptals it's like a anti-psychotic kind of I don't know, but it, it's like off-label. Like it's not really for that. It's for anticonvulsant or something. And I, but I honestly, I haven't been taking it. I haven't taken it over a month and a half because it makes me feel really weird. Um, it makes me feel like I can't think as quickly or work as well, mm. like for my job. And it makes me feel like I'm slower. Like my mm. my brain function. And I've actually read about it. And it scares me because it says that it can lower your cognitive abilities over time. And I'm just like, well, I want to feel good, but I don't want to be dumb. Like, <laughs> I don't want something that's going to eat away my brain. Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> have you have you talked to your doctor about that? Like, I would I would take that back to my doctor and be like, no. <laughs> I need to, but I haven't been going to my doctor either because I haven't had time. I mean, it's just, uh, I need to take better care of myself. That's where I'm at right now. Like, yeah. I know that I need to. I need to do those things. I need to take my medication, but I, and I also have Ativan. Um, I have a little bit of I have social anxiety, like especially like in, um, giving presentations and things, which I have to do for work a lot. It really uh, freaks me out, stresses me out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I've taken Ativan every time before I do that, and then that's kind of mind numbing as well. But yeah, um, well, like basically, I just drink to feel, like, uh, better socially mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that before, but I mm-hmm. think that's what's going on, so, and just to numb myself, but, um, yeah, I wanted to say one other thing about that, though, like, with the drinking and, and BPD, like, for me, at least, with the cycles, like, the highs and the lows, um, when I drink more often, or at all, I guess, I feel like if you have BPD, it really does mess with your... I don't know, chemicals or whatever, and it makes you, me at least, it makes me very low, like, the days afterwards, like, mm-hmm. I can tell when I've drank more than normal, um, and, I, and I feel like it's just not a good thing to be doing while you have this disease, at least for me, because um, mm-hmm. it's, 
very hard to regulate my emotions. Right. It's like I could be very high drinking one night, and then the next couple, three days or whatever, I'm literally really um, and and I feel guilty. Right. And it just makes things, it exasperates the BPD, I feel like. Yeah. So that's not a good combination. <laughs> that's something but. that I've, I've struggled to communicate with Ajani, I feel like. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if you've recognized it. I mean, you can kind of speak on it yourself since oh, <laughs> you're like, here. But, I like, but I mean, I kind of, I, I agree with what you just said that um, alcohol, I mean, it's, it does alter your chemical mm-hmm. composition. And it, well, with Ajani specifically too, is that he has, he also has depression on top of BPD. And so yeah. I'm like, um, you're drinking something that is a natural depressant. Seriously, so like, who like, doesn't? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, you know, um, it's a natural depressant. So it's yeah. gonna make you, it's gonna make you feel low. Um, you're already tr- battling that with your medication. So when you, you're not drinking, your, you're not taking your medication, and then you're taking something that will make oh. you go lower to that well, lower area. And wait, okay, <laughs> so. Uh, I'm like so, and then he's you know he's like, well, I'm just I'm fine. It's just one drink, but then that one drink turns into two or three, and then before you know it, it's like you're there. You know, you're down there. Well, can I ask you a question on the drinking? Like one drink, like let's say AJ has mm-hmm. one drink. Um, does AJ become a completely different person after one drink, or not? Just curious. Um. AJ? <laughs> oh, I, I was, I was thought you were asking Chris. I, I don't think I do. I no, mean, I'm I, asking Chris. I, I don't think I do. Um, I was gonna say something else about how. Um, were you just saying, Chris, that I? Uh, were you just saying the, the, about being a depressant? You're not taking. Oh yeah. Um, gosh, I was just about to say something about that. Okay, never mind. Go on. <laughs> um, well, my say... boyfriend says that I become a completely different person after one drink. So I was curious if, mm. if he. If you saw that, and I don't think it's the case sometimes, or really at all, but I was just curious. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. do I really become a completely different person after one drink? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, I was going to say, um, as far as it being a, a depressant, mm-hmm. like, sometimes, and I, I, uh, I guess I can kind of see uh, where, where what Sarah thinks about this, but when I, when I drink... Um, uh, I don't feel like I'm becoming depressed. depressed. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm more like numbing my emotions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sarah, do you, yeah. do you feel like you're like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm making my emotions just come to kind of like a standstill. Like, okay, I'm, I feel good. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. And the more I drink, it's just like, oh, okay, I just feel, you know, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't feel anything or I just, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to mm-hmm. think about anything. So I'm trying to run away with well, that's the exact reason. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah it's just I like numbness. I don't feel depressed. Like, I had a drink when I felt more depressed, or I wouldn't do it, I would think. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like that way right away. But it's like the repercussions of it with your brain or your chemical composition, like you said. Um, with BPD, I feel like it's the next day, at least, or maybe even later on at night. But it's like, right, when you start drinking and right. it's more fun, uh, you feel more relaxed and it's numbing the whatever situation, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not, <laughs> you know, um, but ultimately, like, after, the aftermath of it, yeah. I feel like it's just not a good combination, but I've, I can't stop doing it. I've definitely <laughs> I seen know. that in, in Ajani, um, 
uh, the party for my mom's birthday party. Mm-hmm. That was definitely something. It was that one time. <laughs> no, 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 not not two, three years ago. I'm talking about the the most recent one in August. What? What <laughs> yeah. was it? So what? we threw my mom. I celebrated her 50th birthday, and we threw her a, a big bash in um, the local arts council. And so we had a lot of alcohol, and I was um, part. Of, I was the part. I guess the host or whatever. So I was like, you know, running around, setting everything up, and dealing with the food and making sure everything was good. So I didn't pay as much attention to Ajani. Um, and then so... Your first mistake. <laughs> the first mistake, yes. <laughs> I said, watch me. And so then, uh, you know, um, at first, in going back to your question, uh, Sarah, the first drink, I think, is okay. Like, I don't see a big difference. Like, I see him more relaxed. With the, with him, yeah. the first drink is just, re- just relaxing as far as his demeanor and... But that's the problem. I, I I don't like to have just one drink. Exactly. Like that, that's what I'm saying. Like when, right. when when you ask how is he with the first drink, it's like I don't know if he's seen me there because I, I, once I'm on the first, it's down well, to the yeah, second, no. down to. Okay. You've got to watch me because like sometimes when I go over to my sister's house, I'll I'll sneak a little wine be- um, before he, like I'll, if I show up before him, I'll sneak a little wine before he gets there, and then when he gets there, there get a little wine, and then when he goes to the bathroom, well, I'll get I a little wine. That's the problem. I think that's the problem. I was like pre-game, and then so he thinks it's my first drink, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I would say that uh, the first drink is always just relaxed, and then the second yeah. drink is when I think by the second or third drink, I do start seeing a change in demeanor. Well, it not, it's not necessarily that you get depressed or you come down, but it does, like, well, sometimes it makes you less, um, it lowers your inhibition, so you kind of feel a little bit more free. Well, and... it also... You... Which it does that for everyone, you know? <laughs> yeah, and like uh, Sarah was saying, I have I have social anxiety, mm-hmm. too. So um, that's I have to kind of watch myself when I... Um, Especially when I go to those big pa- um, those big parties mm-hmm. that I, I hate going to. If I could just stay home every day, I would. You know, like I love that they have these things called Instacart and Grubhub and oh, yeah. Amazon. Okay, like I, <laughs> I'm a Prime member on everything. Just send it to my house. Like I don't want to. <laughs> I was like, Chris, we need to get a ring doorbell so I don't even have to get up. Just leave the box <laughs> on the porch. <laughs> like I just don't like doing that. So. Yeah. Um, when I go out, like that helps me be more social, right. and I I now remember, I, I now recall, oh, okay. <laughs> as I said, I now recall um, that you said at this last party that your friend said that I was really drunk or something. No, um, I thought I thought that you no, told me that he said was... that I was really wasted or something, mm-hmm. and I don't remember being wasted. I remember having a good conversation no, with him. No, he didn't. He didn't say okay, that. Okay, what he what? But he he commented on my drinking, right? No, he said um, he said you. Oh, he he liked me more. No, this time he said that you you he felt that you that you felt different uh, around him this time. Like you, he felt like you felt more comfortable talking to him because you would approach him and talk to him. Oh yeah, and like you, you would you would offer him a drink and or just like you were just around him more, and he felt like you were more comfortable oh my God. being we, around him. We had a we had a um a little fight about this because yeah, he told me that his friend said, I don't know where I heard wasted. I just I don't know. That's you made what, that up. Oh, okay. I was, like, <laughs> was I wasted? No, I wasn't. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, his friend saying that he like I I've met his friend many times before. This one of Chris's very good friends. 
and I've met him many times before, but he said, he told Chris that this time when uh, he hung out with me that I was more social and I was more enjoyable to be around and uh, that I was, and I was just like, wow, because I was drinking alcohol. It's like, so basically I just need to drink yeah. all the time no, and correction. people like me, correction. you know, otherwise I'm just quiet and nobody wants to, nobody wants anything to do with me. They're just like, oh, he's, he's stuck up or whatever. So. I'm sorry, what? And then Chris is, Chris is like, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. He didn't say he liked you better. He just said that you're more social. I'm, what, what? He didn't say that you uh, okay. are more pleasurable to be around Okay, what did he say? He said, it felt like you, Ajani, felt uh, more at ease or felt, um, what was the word that I used earlier? More relaxed and enjoying yourself more being around him. It felt, so you see what? The differences, Sarah. What are you, what are you hearing here? I, I, I'm still hearing it's because of the alcohol. I liked him better this time, because otherwise he would have said all those other times. You it, know, oh, I liked being around him or something. No, but I think, what is so what's think, so special about this? I time? think the thing was, you know, <laughs> Sarah's like, um, I'm just in the, <laughs> I'm no, just in the middle. I think the thing is like, you know, he's like he liked that you were approaching him. He liked that you were open with him and like. Um, it just, I guess, more chatty or okay, you know, I wanna, talking to him. More I want to. I want to hear what Sarah, Sarah hears. Okay. Well, what do you hear about that? Yeah. <laughs> I hear, well, I hear the same thing that happens when I hear that. I hear the same thing that happens to anyone that drinks alcohol. Everyone becomes more relaxed. Everyone becomes more chatty. You know, mm-hmm. like, you lose your inhibitions. That's what alcohol does. Yeah. But I feel like maybe for people with BPD, like the stark change because of the way when you're not drinking, it's like not the norm right. like, yeah. you know you might be a little more closed off so it seems maybe more extreme I don't yeah, know I, um, definitely. I think that's how people see it in me at least they're like wow the same thing that um, Chris was just saying his friend said I feel like people feel that way about me when I'm drinking like I am a totally different person yeah. like more so than people that aren't diagnosed with yeah. I mean, I drink. I don't know I feel like I'm the same uh, same, same, similar with me when I drink um, to the point where I get tipsy slash drunk um i'm i'm a different person you get drunk i have in the past i have been known <laughs> um, when back, he gets on his second martini chris is like back oh, in my <laughs> youth <laughs> i get i was made fun of a lot because i've always had a low tolerance of with alcohol so i would get drunk off of like two line um two um yep what is it Cups, wine wine wine. <laughs> no, yeah so um but but if, I, I guess let me pull it back a little bit with the, with that the party conversation. So you know that was all fine and great during the events. Mm-hmm. You know you were like your inhibitions were lowered. You were you felt more relaxed in being in in that place in that environment. Mm-hmm. But then right after the event, you like crashed really hard, and that's what you know what Sarah discussed earlier about maybe the next day sometimes even right after mm-hmm. having all this alcohol. You crash and um, and then you just you know felt really bad and then you started to really turn inward and let your BPD or your uh, your negative thoughts take over because there was no no other environment to keep you I guess occupied or something from mm-hmm. the internal so you just turn internal after the event was over hmm. yeah I I mean it, it <laughs> like we were talking about on the episode about um, anxiety and alcohol, it just helps um, get rid of all that anxiety about, you know, people looking at me or, you know, how I'm acting. Like, I just, I just 
don't care. Do, um, <laughs> do you feel like uh, the Boosperone has a similar effect? Yes. So that's a that's a medicine that I take for anxiety, and I feel like it. I feel like it does. Um, but I feel like no matter. I don't, I, and I've talked to my doctor about this too. I, I I feel like no matter how much medicine I take for anxiety, I still like have it mm-hmm. there, kind of like even when I I don't even like to drive really because when I drive and uh, if I'm looking if uh, a car behind me on the highway speeds up really fast and gets in front of me and cuts me off and then goes like I'm going really slow that makes me feel really bad like that I'm just like. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just think about all that stuff. I and mean, other people are just like, whatever. You know, somebody passed me on the highway. Or what I what I don't like is when Chris, when we have the windows down, and then uh, Chris is, like, driving right next to somebody. They can just look in at us. Or we stop at, a, we stop at a stoplight, and Chris just stops right at their windows. They can look in at me, and I can look in at them. We're like, Chris, just, everyone knows you're supposed to, like, you know. <laughs> I don't even like to, like, and I don't. You know, I, I take two medicines for for anxiety, and it's still that. You know, I was actually asked my doctor, like, "Is this normal? Like, do I need to take more? Like, how do I get rid of this?" And I feel mm-hmm. like I'm still gonna have a little bit, a little bit of of depression and anxiety, no matter how much yeah. medicine I take. Yeah, because medicine doesn't take away the problem. Yeah, it just. Gosh, it I wish it did. It <laughs> and I think right. that's where. It's better though. My anxiety is much better now. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't worry as as much. Right. Um, well, I feel like that's where the then the therapy comes in with the um, um, what is it? The CP um, not DBT DBT tra- um training therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. That's like the other half of the puzzle. Yeah. I need to do that. That's what I'm missing. Personally. Yeah. So I have stopped doing all of that, and I'm just because I'm working so much. I started a new job a couple of months ago, and it's very demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I work from home, so I'm not interacting with people as often. I don't have to go to an office, so it's kind of a exasperating situation. But I love it at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't like have to leave my house, mm-hmm. um, but I have these random meetings. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. There, I need to do the therapy. I'm not doing the part that I need to do it just feels like I don't have time for it a lot of the time it actually feels mm-hmm. like it's not worth it some of the time but I know it is I, know well, I just gotta find the right person right um, I was gonna say that make sure to look for when you're looking for um, the a therapist to look for this um, that certification of um the DBT DBT certification because yeah. not everybody has it and and I feel like so Ajahn was going to a therapist um last year and he went for about six months i was told when i called because um i I had to schedule the appointment you know i was asking for that and i was i was told well she doesn't have it but she's working on it i'm like okay well i guess that's fine because the person who did have it could only see ajani once a month and i was like well that's not gonna work (laughs) (laughs) um he needs like every week um so we We, you know, we, that was the only option that we had available at the time, and it was kind of like in crisis mode. So we just he just went there, and because he doesn't like to switch doctors, he just stayed there. But she didn't have the training, and it, like it kind of helped, but only in the way that it helps you unload and talk to somebody. Yeah, but, and it didn't. It right. it wasn't like giving me like she she bought me a book, um, yeah. like a, a book on DBT, but that was kind of it. It wasn't like a 
um, like any tools to use. And but then she would assign you like a thing and yeah. then never follow up on it. Yeah, but it was it was I nice mean, to talk. It was nice to chat. <laughs> I've been, yeah, it was nice and it's good to get that, everything off your chest, but I feel like that's all it really does. And I've been through so many different therapists. Like my parents started taking me at 13, really, and it just never seemed to work for me. Like the classic, um, what they call the... Not cognitive? TV, but, uh, the so cognitive that, therapy? Yeah, yeah, that's never seemed to work. I've never done the DBT personally. My child goes to someone um, currently for that, but uh, it's it just seems like I'm just talking, and you know, and then, then or if you go see someone who prescribes medication, what are they? A psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, not a psychologist. <laughs> they just prescribe the medication and send you out the door. So it's like, can I just get one combined so that can do medication and talk or something? But um, it's more for me like what I've found to be a little more helpful was something I did recently but I haven't gone back um, is there was a group locally that does uh, yoga it was like a yoga studio but at the end it was like a meeting um, it was more for AA I guess but it was it was cool it was like I, I think something more physical like a release like exercise or yoga or something and then talking like way more helpful for me personally mm-hmm. um i just need to get my ass in there <laughs> do it more often but yeah it's something i'm missing that piece of the puzzle for sure you know therapy so yeah and i want to some- get back to it but. something like um that unfortunately you kind of have to seek out and try and like we you know we had an episode about the your psychiatrist who was not very helpful with your medication and you kind of had to look for others mm-hmm. um and kind of you know, with psychiatrists, you kind of like Ajani has the same. He's explaining the same thing that they just you just go in, you know, for twenty minutes and they give you a new medicine and then like okay, send you on your way. I mean, it feels yeah. <clears throat> sometimes it feels like my psychiatrist just feel like like we finish in like five minutes. You know, how is everything? How's the medicine okay? And then it just feels like he's obliged to just keep talking about stuff because he <clears throat> has me here. And then he sends me out and charges me hundred dollars. So I'm just like, I was like, that oh, I'm getting charged, and that's that's the other thing too. Like if I, I mean, I I've been to a lot of, um, I started going to therapists when I was like maybe. 24 I want to say like that's when I started like going to therapist stuff and I I feel like um I'm like don't, don't I know enough <laughs> don't I have enough tools no <laughs> um but I, I want to do the DBT but then I, I also feel like you know I would have to get a job to do that yeah I mean that's a part of the problem is that yeah. it's expensive to get um mental yeah, treatments yeah I mean so I, you have to go to a psychiatrist. You have to get medicine every every month. You have to go to a psychiatrist every. Um, it just depends every month, every three months, and mm-hmm. then DBT. I think it's almost like a, a weekly. weekly thing. Like mm-hmm. they, like it's something that you have to like stay on. So it's just like something we would have to just keep paying for. Yeah. And you know, Chris. Yeah. I don't know. You know, if there's a special. Um, you know, you're not gonna give me thousands of dollars to go to DBT, are you? <laughs> I don't know if it's thousands. I don't but, have thousands. But, um, but yeah, make it work. As as of right now, um, I don't know. I, I I think there are a lot of different therapies that that people can do. I, I know we did an episode uh, with our sister in law Carmela 
Um, she did like the horse therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I guess the thing is like you just kind of have to experiment, mm-hmm. you know. Kind of like what you do with medicine. If a medicine is not yeah. working for you, mm-hmm. you have to say tell your psychiatrist, okay, this medicine is giving me these side effects. I feel groggy. I feel like I'm, you know, a uh, hundred point, hundred Q po- um, IQ points down, <laughs> lower or something. Um, so then you, you know, you switch medicines, and unfortunately, you know, with medicine is a little bit tougher because you do have side effects, and it can and be. And you have to wait <clears throat> like two weeks. Oh god! Yeah, <laughs> you have to wait until yeah, it affects you or something. Oh, I, <laughs> I got um. The the last time I got really depressed, I started taking, Lamictal. Mm-hmm. And I was taking that for like three days, um, and then I started getting ringing in my ears, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just made me even more depressed because I had to get off the medicine and then start something else. So I'm just like, oh my god, like this is taking too long. <laughs> I need to feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> like it, that is, but I, th- um, I guess as of right now, the the most important thing for me is is medicine, and I guess therapy. I can. Um, do self therapy or um, Sarah's like the is that yoga thing is that free? Probably not. It actually is. Yeah, you oh. just give a donation. It's a local thing, so it's called True Freedom Yoga, mm-hmm. and um, it's free. Or you can give a dollar donation if you want, or more. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know there are some yoga classes local. I mean, there's a, I think in every town there's probably a yoga yeah. um, instructor. And that is something I've done. I, I took oh, it, I took it as a gym class in, in college. That I'm, doesn't count. I made a B. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad I made a B in yoga. I was like, how? <laughs> I did downward dog. <laughs> I've done yoga in the past too. I mean, not um, seriously or for long exposures, but uh, it was nice. I mean, it is nice to, mm-hmm. uh, I think, to get some of that physical energy out, I think, maybe. Yeah, it's really hard for me with BPD to relax um, and anxiety all the time. So that's something, it's like hard for me to even do yoga, mm-hmm. to like be in the moment and meditate or relax and all of that. But it's something I would love to get better at. But I do feel uncomfortable sometimes when I'm there I'm like, dude, I cannot relax. Like, why can't I stop thinking? Mm. And like, you know, so, but it's a good Supposedly that's like the tool, um, you know, learning the breathing, and, and I'm like, I'm not breathing right, I'm not breathing right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm ridiculous, so, but maybe if I can master that, I don't know, um, but yeah. Well, um, I mean, I, I was going to say, um, what would be a good way to end, to end this podcast, I think it's like, um, you know, the, yeah. talk about the ways to kind of so what's your plan for moving forward um sarah um my plans for moving forward are stalled at the moment (laughs) no i don't know i'm just trying to plan for moving forward is um that i know drinking (laughs) is a problem i put you on the spot and i know it's hindering yeah hindering my ability to cope with the bpd symptoms and um it's, I know it's something I need to stop doing, personally. Mm-hmm. It might not be something everyone needs to stop doing, but I've realized at this point in my life that I can't I can't drink. Like, I can't even have one, which is really hard to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I need to go back to where I was when after I left rehab and I didn't drink for that 90 days and the 30 days while I was there. I was literally the happiest I had ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, more comfortable with myself, working out you know, four times a week, taking care of myself. I was mm-hmm. healthy. 
Um, I don't feel that way now. I feel like I'm just overwhelmed, stressed, working all the time and drinking in between and freaking out all the time. So I know that drinking is, I know BPD is the problem, but drinking with BPD is not ever going to work for me at least. (laughs) It's not going to work. So that's my goal is to keep going to these, you know, yoga things, maybe some meetings, kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel a mess about it, to be honest. That's why I just wanted to talk about it and let other yeah. people know and let you guys know that I was there. But well, the goal is that, yeah. Well, we, it's definitely, uh, you know, we commend you for talking about it and seeking steps to kind of do better. It's, I mean, it's like a, I've told, you know, we've talked about it. it's. This is a lifelong struggle and journey. Like, it's not... You know, you take a pill, you go to the doctor, and you'll be fine. Um, it's something that you always have to work on constantly. So, um, definitely, uh, you know, encourage to encourage you to, or anybody who's struggling with this is to um, seek help, and you know, if you can, go to a doctor to get some medication because to get some medication because that's like I feel like for me and talking from someone who doesn't have BPD, <laughs> but I feel like that's like the first big like help that you could get you know something the medication right. yeah. kind of helps uh stabilize your or your chemical that's kind of like making your body go away and mm-hmm. like freaking out so once you're able I think to now that you said that that should be my first step you know <laughs> not that i need to do all this like I, that's what i need to do actually just get back into that and take medication and go from there yeah i, I think I, you're right i would take chris's so. word for it because he's He's seen me off of medication, and he's seen me on medication, and he's definitely let me know which one he likes more. <laughs> and and my my parents have also like my parents have seen me off of medication, and on medication, mm-hmm. and you know when I started taking the medication, and I would come home, they'd be like, "Oh my god, you're such a different person." Oh my gosh. Well, it's not even it's not even about it's not even about like just which personality I like more. It's more about for me. It comes down to just. You know, seeing you struggle yeah. and seeing the well, the pain that you go through is like you know, there's another way that you can go that will reduce that pain yeah. or minimize it. Yeah, and it, I think you know that's that's what it is seeing somebody uh, happier or not having to um, worry about so many little things um, because uh, before before my um, effects are when I would go to try to go to sleep at night, I was just thinking about everything and anything, and I could not. Mm-hmm. go to sleep i had to take sleeping pills and now that that isn't such a problem it seems like so long ago um right. so so it, it definitely helps okay so we got to the first step we're going to go back to the doctor so a psychiatrist yeah. <laughs> get um different medication because what you were on didn't help <laughs> um and i feel like you know like i mentioned that's gonna hopefully you know finding the right medication will help you level your chemical makeup so mm-hmm. you can think a little bit more rationally or be able to make those decisions or um, the next steps that you need to do with uh, regards to alcohol. You know, if, if, you're, if you're drinking alcohol because you can't cope with BPD, then that's going to kind of hinder getting past BPD mm-hmm. or getting past that first step. So, um, Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, well, uh, well, I was just thinking, I think therapy is the, the second part of that. Uh, Sarah, like you said, going to, um, I mean, just doing that yoga and um, just, a, just a simple meeting I is That's a is form great. of therapy, I um, think, yeah. For me, I'm not, I, I don't 
necessarily like group settings too much. Yeah, um, nature. So, um, so for for people like that that are probably more more introverted, um, I would suggest uh, you can go to places like Talkspace or mm-hmm. uh, Seven Cups. Um, they have like uh, a free service uh, where they have like listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can kind of help you out. I was going to say, um, I'm sure there's YouTube videos of yoga classes mm-hmm. online. Oh, yeah. You could do a, a yoga class. You, yoga. Um, uh, I have a friend who does a lot of um, mind meditations. I can't remember what, how she calls it. Um, she practices mindfulness, I think is what she says. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like, um, she has her own meditation sessions. Like, she created a space in her house where it's just, like, very um, zen-like. She posted a picture on Facebook. And so she goes there for like fifteen minutes every day. Does she have kids? She does. He has. She has two kids. Really? She, um, yeah. They're. And she has a she has a peaceful place that she can go. I mean, she. It's probably in a closet somewhere. <laughs> is it in the basement through the closet? Yeah. Probably, I mean, but the point is, is you know, it's a space where it's like kind of nothing but that environment where she can think and clear her thoughts. Or that's nice. So. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much, Sarah, for yes, Sarah. Thank you. wanting to be thank part you. of the conversation. Yeah. It was a pleasure speaking with you. and um, I think it definitely helped uh, some people. I got like two hours more, but... <laughs> we well, we could do a part two. I know. Join us next time. When... <laughs> it's like this was all over the place, I feel like. I did... But no, no, really that's comes together after all. That was a great. That was a. I think that was a great discussion. Um, I definitely got something out of it. It's a good look uh, at alcoholism and and BPD and and substance abuse. And I would encourage um, anybody else that would like to reach out to us, like Sarah. You can always uh, email us at borderlineidealist at gmail dot com. Um, because we love hearing from our friends and our listeners, and you know that's that that's a part of the podcast too. You know, getting all these stories because we all come from different backgrounds and uh, all experience BPD in different ways. Um, but we all have BPD, so <laughs> so you know, I you know, if we talk about it, let other people know about it, let other people know what we're going through. I think we're helping everybody. So, Sarah, you are helping everybody. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It was really great to talk to you in person. I loved it. Um, and keep doing what you're doing. I, I enjoy listening to you. So Thank thanks for having you. me on. All right, guys. Have a well, weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Um, we will see you shortly. Again. All right. See you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.